on prosperity, teaching on the basics of, of walking in prosperity. And, uh, well, that's not moving too good, but uh, um, uh, she's been teaching on the basics of prosperity, going through line by line and, and teaching us. And uh, we, we're in youth most of the time, but uh, we get those tapes and it's been really good. And uh, what Pastor Webb said, some of those things were such a blessing to me. Um, man, you, you can't live on some far out new stuff. You, you, you got to live on the basics of the Word. Yeah, I mean, until you're living by faith each and every day, then we need to keep, keep coming. We need to keep going to church. We need to, to keep getting those things in our life. And, you know, uh, I was thinking today, it's like prosperity works for everybody. Um, you can have $30 million in the bank. And if, but if you're not believing God, if you're not living by faith on a day-to-day basis, you're missing it. Amen. You're missing it. The Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. So that means that you're supposed to just do more than those of us who don't have $30 million. And so uh, everybody ought to be living by faith, and these principles apply to each and every one of us. And I have a lot of scripture tonight, so I want to go ahead and get started. And uh, we've got several things to, to talk about. I'm going to do my best to get you out early since we were here here uh, three nights in a row. But uh, let's see, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2, and let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for Your Word tonight. We thank You that Your Word is anointed. And Lord, that the anointing removes the yoke and destroys the burden. And we thank You, Lord for that tonight in each and every one of these people's lives. We thank You that as, as the prosperity message goes forth, that it'll have an impact. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Say this after me. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was a wealthy man. Jesus was a wealthy man. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was a wealthy man. These two statements right here, this is your foundation. This is your swimming pool liner. I mean, this is what you go to the bank on when it comes to you living in God's abundance. If you don't believe those two statements, then you don't have any basis to believe that you can have anything in this life. You don't have any basis for it. Because Jesus divested Himself of His God nature and came to earth as a man and didn't do anything but be faithful and diligent to learn and worked with His Father. And when He was 30 years old, His cousin John the Baptist baptized Him. And from that moment on, when He got anointed by the Holy Ghost, that's when His ministry started. And that's, it's the same for you and I. Is that we can do anything that you see Jesus doing in the Bible... He, he did it as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. And if we believe that Jesus was a poor man, then you got a problem. you got a problem with your, uh, with your doctrine, and, and, and stuff's not going to be able to work for you. You've got to have a place to start, because the Bible is not just about knowing what the Bible says. There's a lot of people in this country, a lot of people in the world, man, the Jews know the Old Testament backward and forward, some of them. Some of the Orthodox Jews. I mean, they'll, they'll put us under the table. and They know it. But are they walking in the life and the fruit of it? No. So knowing Scripture in your head is not much value to you unless you know the spirit about the, or the character about the person who said these things. 
you know, I relate it to... It's all a trust issue. Because see, we can say, oh, Jesus wants me to be prosperous. Or Jesus wants me to be healed. But that's all well and good. But when you get sick, it's going to be crunch time. You might feel a little different. And that's when the real truth and the real way you believe and the real way you feel, that all bubbles up to the surface when people get under pressure. Well, they, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, I... I love the Lord, and then they get under pressure and some, uh, and then and and hit somebody or something. Well, it don't go together, y'all. Well, does that mean they're not saved? No, it just means they don't know Him. They don't know Him like you, they should know Him. None of us know Him like we should know Him. Amen. We got to know Him, because when you are in the middle of it, you got to know who God is. And you don't know that, oh, He said that He wanted me healed. you got to know that He said that, but you got to know that He's the God that stands behind His Word. And you got to know His character. And like Pastor Webb said, you got to know that He loves you. Amen. Amen. You know, if we were on a ship, I've used this example before, but I like it. If we were on a ship, and uh thing, you know, is the D- Disney Cruise Line, and it just somebody set fire to it, it just started smoking, we're all going down. And uh, Eric and I, we latch on to this life preserver and we're in the water together. Well, that's a pressure-filled situation. They teach you as a lifeguard that um, to be careful when saving somebody because in panic, they will, they will claw you down. They will send you to the bottom trying to get their head above water. People, people do that. People actually drown trying to save other people. But if we were in that situation, Eric's my brother. I was five and a half years old when Eric was born. We're basically joined at the hip, if y'all didn't know. I mean, we love each other. I mean, we, I love Eric. I mean, I can hit him, but don't you try. <laughs> I mean, we've basically done every evil thing in the world to each other, but it's all in good fun, you know? It's all in sport. And so if Eric was with me on that life preserver, I'm not afraid to turn my back on Him. I'm not afraid to do that. Why? Because I trust Him. And He can say, Brother, I'm not going to drown you and take this away from you. And you know what? I believe Him. I believe Him. But if somebody I just met comes up, and somebody we met on the ship, and hey, how you doing? You know, it's good to see you. Oh, Mickey Mouse is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the ship goes down, and I'm with that person. I know they're a nice person, from what I know of them, I met them. They shook my hand. They, they even, you know, bought my dinner or something on the, on the ship. But do I really know them? In the, cr- in the crunch, in the pressure, am I going to turn my back? No. <laughs> well, people are, do, are, are, are acting like this with God. They met Him one day. They came down front and the pastor led them and uh, they, they accepted Jesus Christ. They confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus, believed in their heart that God raised Him from the dead and they really did mean it and they really are saved but they don't know Him. And when it gets to crunch time, they say, well, God's, you know, one preacher said that God wants me healed, but the other preacher said that uh, He might be trying to teach me something. Or, I'm, you know, this foreclosure on my house is just something that God's, you know, He's working stuff out of me. i got a lot of evil stuff in me, and He's just, he's just pressurizing it out of me. Well, you don't know Him. Because when you're hanging on to the raft, you got to know when cancer's all around, you got to know that you know what God said. And not only what He said, but that He meant it. 
and that you can go to the bank on it. And if something's not happening, if something's not going on in your life, if you're not seeing the fruit of it, it's all me. It's all me. It's not God. God's not trying to do something to me. It's all me. It all lies right here. I've got to make an adjustment somewhere because God said it and He meant it. And I know Him. Yeah. Amen? Well, I don't know where that came from, but amen. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was a, a wealthy man. Now, we're going to go through seven reasons tonight that we know that Jesus was not poor. That we know that we can show you from Scripture that why Jesus was not poor. Because we've got to know this. We've got to know it. If you want to believe that you can be prosperous, you've got to know it. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, Jesus was prosperous as a young man or as a young child. I'm not going to go there, but Jesus was born in a manger. But it was only because they didn't have any room for Him in the inn. And the reason they were even in Bethlehem is because they had Caesar Augustus put a decree and said, go pay your taxes in the city that you're from. Well, you know, Mary and Joseph were descendants of King David, and Bethlehem is King David's city, so they were going to pay taxes. They had the money. They were going to pay taxes to Caesar. Also, in Matthew 2, where, where I had you turn, I'm not there yet. Um, Matthew chapter 2, this is talking about the wise men in verse 10. I'll go ahead and start in verse 10. When they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So these wise men, you know, they saw this star and they had read the writings of the prophets of old. And so they knew when they saw this star that the time of the Messiah was coming, so they journeyed. And scholars will tell us, notice it said that they went into the house. So we see a lot of manger scenes and everything where, you know, wise men, three, three wise men are standing around the manger. Well, really, that's probably not the way it happened. The scholars will tell us that um, it's probably, he was probably about two years old. It referred to him as a young child, not a, not a baby. And it was, he, he was in a house by that time. So by the time they found him, he's probably about two years old. But they gave unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, we, don't, we don't have to explain gold. I mean, gold's good. <laughs> Amen. We love gold. Gold's great. I mean, you find a gold nugget, you know, let me know. I mean, all coming over. <laughs> Amen. Gold is gold. And then frankincense and myrrh is spices and perfumes and things like that. Things that we're going to see a little later in, in another one of these reasons that were very, very costly. And so Jesus started out on the right foot. God's will is for your children to start out on the right foot too. My granddad from, from Texas called, and I was telling Mr. Green and Myron about this before the service. He called up, you know, it's always, hey, what are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? What's going on? What are you doing? It's always like this barrage of the same question, only in a different form. Fine, good, great, super, thanks. And... Uh, he said, hey, I bought Carter five shares of Cisco Systems, and I'm going to send you the paperwork. Um, so I got this paperwork in the mail, and it's on those long forms. You know those long forms <laughs> and those deep forms? And I'm thinking, I told Chris, I said, I'm already being a, little, a trustee runner boy for this kid. I'm already being his little broker. I mean, <laughs> but that's good, you know. I'm filling out papers for him, and I can't even turn him in because he doesn't have a social security number yet. I mean, but that's good. 
That's what God's plan is for our children to start out right. And that's the way Jesus did. He started out on the right foot. People honored Him. People did right by Him. People, people esteemed Him uh, even at a young age. So Jesus, uh, He was prosperous as a young child. Number two, uh, Jesus had a home. Jesus had a home. Now this, this is no frills tonight, but this is good. This is, a, this is what you can go to the bank on right here. In verse 35 of John chapter 1, John 1, 35, says again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them, saying, and saith unto him, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwelleth thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Well, that just destroyed the myth that everybody tries to propagate to you that Jesus didn't have a home. Let's go over to Matthew 8.20. Let's start in 18. 8.18, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about Him, He gave commandment to depart into the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto Him, Master, I will follow Thee wherever soeth Thou goest. And Jesus saith unto Him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay His head. And another of the disciples said unto Him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Amen. Well, this verse is where people base the fact that Jesus didn't have a home, that Jesus didn't have a house. He said, you know, I have no, the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Well, there's an, another account, and I, I don't know why I didn't uh, write this down, but there's an, another account and another gospel, and it really goes into detail about this, where Jesus was going was he was going to a city of Samaria. And he said that he sent his uh, 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 disciples ahead of him to prepare a way for him. You know, his disciples, it was much like ministry today where, you know, somebody, you know, Peter from Birmingham came down the day before and brought all those books for Pastor Webb, came and prepared a place for him. And uh, so they had to find a place for Jesus to stay while he was ministering to these people. And they had to find, you know, they had to, you know, set up where they were going to minister. And, uh, but if you go back and look at the Samaritans, uh, it, man, they, they didn't like Jews. Samaritans didn't like Jews at all. They didn't like them. They hated them. And the Jews, the other way around, they did not like them. And it went back to there was a king of Judah and there was a king of Israel. And the king of Israel, he decided that he was going to uh, tax, raise some taxes. And uh, people said, uh, and I'm sorry, it was the king of Judah decided he was going to raise some taxes. And, uh, and, they, and they, people said, no way, we're not coming to Jerusalem for you. We're going to make us our own capital. We're going to set up our own uh, tabernacle. And so they, instead of going to Jerusalem to worship, they set up Samaria. And Samaria is where they worshipped and where they did their thing. And so the Jews, they basically snubbed everybody else and said, we don't got to go to Jerusalem for you. And so it was this long-standing war between these two. You know, they hated each other. They hated each other because the Samaritans had intermingled and weren't 100% Jew, 100% Hebrew. They had intermingled with different tribes and different groups of people. And so the Jews didn't like them. 
And in this other account, it says that Jesus, um, he, had, he was focused on going to Jerusalem. But He was going to stop in the city of Samaria first. And when they heard that He was going to go, to Jer- go on to Jerusalem, they said, we don't want anything to do with you. And so this guy comes to Him and said, uh, you know, Master, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath no way to lay his head. He was saying he wasn't welcome in Samaria. That's what he was saying. I don't have anywhere to stay here. Nobody wants me. They run him out of town. They didn't want anything to do with him because he was going to Jerusalem and they didn't like it. They basically said, Choose us or choose them. And he, he, he didn't choose. And so, anyway, Jesus had a home. We see in John 1, 38, that Jesus had a house. It's not a big deal. They're like, Master, wheresoever thou stayest, <laughs> whatever. And he's like, come and see. <laughs> and so he showed them their house. Uh, number three, Jesus received the prosperity of others. Jesus received the prosperity of others. Go with me to John chapter 12, if you would. In verse 3, it says, Then then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with odor of the ointment. And then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. And Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but ye have have me not always. Amen. So Jesus received the prosperity of others. This... uh, pound of ointment we see in verse 5 it was so it could have been sold for 300 pence or 300 denarii and uh, one pence or one denarius was a day's wages in Jesus's day and so basically what she did was she took 300 days worth of wages or almost just short of a year worth of wages ten months worth of wages, and she poured it in a bowl and washed Jesus' feet with it and wiped His feet with her hair. And Judas, he got all riled up about it, not because he cared about the poor, just because he, he had the bag. I mean, that was 300 denarii that he could have stolen. So he got all upset about it. But notice Jesus didn't rebuke her. When we do nice things in our church, when we do nice things for ministers of God, God is pleased to the utmost. He really is. He really is. The poor you have with you always. And that's really true. Is, is, is every time you got $5, if you gave it to the poor, would you ever stop hunger? No. You, you can't think like that. Because it's right to obey God. It's right to give to the poor. It really is. We ought to. But you ought to obey God. And give to honor to whom honor is due. And uh, Jesus deserved honor. Amen. And He received the prosperity of others. And that's the reason we know that He was not poor. Number four, go with me to Mark chapter 11. Number three goes back to talking about Jesus was a prosperous young child. 
is that this ointment was a similar thing to the frankincense and myrrh type stuff that the, uh, that the wise men brought. Well, say, you know, you made $5 an hour and you worked 40 hours a week. You know, that comes out to about $10,000 a year. This was a substantial gift that she gave. Amen. She gave Jesus about, you know, $8,500. Just poured it out on the floor and he didn't even bat an eye. In fact, he rebuked people that, that told her otherwise. Well, number four is Jesus had the transportation of a prosperous man. Hold your place in Mark, and I'm going to go over and read you another verse. You can write it down. It's Judges 10, verse 3. And after him rose Jair, a Gileadite, and judged Israel twenty and two years. And he had thirty sons that rode on thirty colts, and they had thirty cities, which are called Havath Jair unto this day, which are the land of Gilead. So this judge over Israel, which was the equivalent to like uh, a president-type figure, his, he had 30 different sons, and they rode colts. That was their mode of transportation. So you can figure the judge was pretty wealthy, and his sons were well-to-do. So over in Mark 11, verse 2, And he saith unto him, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never, man, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say to you, Why do you do this? Say ye, say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway... He will send him. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where the two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why do you loose the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus has commanded, and let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon them. And many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches off the trees and strode him in the way. And strode them in the way, and they went before, and they followed, crying, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So Jesus riding a colt was, uh, was the mode of transportation of style in that day. And this is where we miss it a lot of times. Just because Jesus wore a, a tunic and sandals and walked around in the dirt and hot desert all day, well, that, that's where he lived, and those are the times that he lived in. If Jesus walked in the back door today, and, uh, you know, wasn't manifesting himself in his glory, he probably would be dressed like Philip. I mean, he probably would have a suit and tie on. He dressed in the manner that they dressed in that day. Amen. And so don't miss it. Don't get caught up there that, well, he rode a colt, you know. No, nobody in here rode a horse to church. But back in those days, if you didn't have a horse, you walked. <laughs> you know, back in my day, it was 10 miles both ways uphill to school, you know. <laughs> Well, those grandpa stories. Amen. Amen. So the sons of the judges rode on colts, and Jesus did likewise. He rode on a colt. But notice when he, when he went, the disciples, somebody said, what are you doing? And they told him what Jesus said, and they're like, okay. I mean, if there's a Mercedes parked in the parking lot at your job, and, and you're using a Slim Jim on it, you know, and, and you're getting in it, and somebody comes in and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to my car? And you say, oh, well, Jesus said that I could. Oh, okay, thanks, bye. And you drive off in it. Jesus was esteemed as a king. Amen. Jesus, people looked, people wanted Him, the Jews wanted Him to ascend to the throne, overthrow Caesar, and make them their own country. Amen. He wa they wanted Him to, to, to get in Herod's position. And Herod was like a puppet. 
You know, but he wanted, they wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans. They expected him to come in as a king. They just misunderstood. And so somebody that comes in in rags, you don't say, why don't you be our king? No, Jesus was a prosperous man. Jesus was a wealthy man. Number five, Jesus wore the clothing of a prosperous person. John chapter 19, 19, 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And then they said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose shall it be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Well, Jesus had, he had uh, a tunic and then he had a four other pieces of clothing which they divided among themselves. But this garment that he had, it was woven from top to bottom and it didn't have any seams in it. Didn't have any seams in it. Now I'm looking and I got seams all over the place. I mean, and this, you know, this Ralph Lauren, that's what this suit says. But seams everywhere. Seams. You got seams? Anybody got seams in here? Well, this was an expensive garment. And so much so that the soldiers, they didn't want to tear it up. You know? They didn't. Yeah, I remember one time, <laughs> I was pretty young, but uh, I found uh, my friend, Gore, he wasn't really my friend. He was my friend's friend. I just put up with him. But uh, he found a $5 bill in my mother's flower bed. And uh, Gordon said, well, great, $5 bill. And I said, whoa, 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 whose house are you at? I mean, come on now, where are you at? And so we were fighting over it, whose $5 bill it was. I'm saying, hey, this is my house, my flower bed, you found $5. He said, well, I found it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. And I took that $5 bill and I ripped it in about a million pieces. And then my granddad came over, who was a banker. But this was after my mom had found it in my back pocket in the wash. So kids always empty your pockets and destroy everything. But she found this, and then Granddad came over, and she told him, and he's like, well, do you have a lawyer? I mean, it's against the law to destroy the currency of the United States government. Man, I was scared. I was convinced that I was going to the big house. I was was convinced of it. I was just, you know. But but see, I was willing to destroy the $5 just so so so-and-so would have it. But this garment was uh, so nice that they said, well, you know, let's not even rip it apart. Let's just take our chances with casting the lots. Let's just throw the dice. And, you know, there's a, you know, one in four, or one in five, or one in six chance that one of us will get it. At least we can enjoy it that way. This was a nice piece of clothing. Amen. Amen. Number six. Jesus had financial partners and a treasurer. In Luke chapter 8, and I'm not going to turn there, but there's women that Jesus had helped... And they said that the Bible says that they ministered unto Jesus with their substance. So they supported Jesus' ministry with the substance that they had, with, with, with the money that they made. Well, if you think, stop and think about it. Jesus told Andrew, He said, Come and follow me. And, and Andrew went and ran and got Peter, and Peter followed, and then James and John, and then, you know. Bartholomew and Thaddeus and Matthew and all these guys, they gave up their careers and followed the Lord Jesus. Well, 
these people probably had families. We know that Jesus had a mother, I mean, that Peter had a mother-in-law. So he had a wife. Jesus had, I mean, Peter had a wife. And so Jesus was responsible financially for 12 people and maybe their families. He was responsible financially for them. And they, you know, they didn't just wander around. They didn't just wander around wondering, you know, what are we going to do? Remember when the 5,000 were there and Jesus was preaching to them and, and everybody got hungry and, and uh, they said, well, uh, Jesus, do you want us to go buy bread? Buy bread for 5,000 people? I mean, they didn't think anything about it. you want us to go buy bread? He said, no, let's do it another way. He said, we'll take care of it another way. So he could have bought and fed 5,000 men and, and whatever. There's probably about 15,000 people there counting the women and the children. Jesus could have fed them on the spot. They wouldn't have asked him that if they didn't have the money in the treasury. If they didn't have it, have it in the money bag. Well, if you go figure it out and everything, uh, if you look at it again uh, in the denarii and, and you count it out, it's about a, year's, a man's year's wages to feed 5,000 men uh, that much bread. So that he he had substance. Jesus had money. Well, he had a he had a, a treasure also, and in John twelve six, the Bible refers to the treasure who was Judas Iscariot. He refers to him as a thief. But go with me to John thirteen. We'll look at this a little closer. You know, there's a banker you know up in up in Fayette that got you know he was. He was caught. How much money was it? Eight, seventeen million dollars or something. He was skimming, and they didn't even they didn't even know until you know it took several several years for him to get caught doing it. And they they said that he couldn't he could never take off. Um, and and that's Chris has worked at banks and stuff. And 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 they if you have two weeks of vacation. You can take one week any way you want. You can slice it up, take it one day at a time, whatever. But one week, you have to take, a, take the whole week. And the reason is, is because they want enough time, enough days to go by to see if you're doing anything funny. You know, because it would show up because somebody else is doing your job. But, nope, you know, Jesus probably knew, but not, the disciples were oblivious to Judas and him skimming off the top. Let's look in verse uh, John, John 13. Verse 26, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then said Jesus, said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto them. For some of them thought, because, Jesus, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast or that they should give something to the poor. So basically, Jesus told Judas, what you do, do it quickly. And the disciples on, you know, on the other side of the room, they heard Jesus say that, but they didn't know why He said that. They didn't know He was telling them to go betray Him. They thought He was going to go do what He always did, give to the poor or that he was going to go buy uh, what they needed for this feast. 
This feast lasted seven days. That's how long this feast lasted. Seven days. So 12 guys plus family plus kids plus mother-in-laws. I mean, do they have to eat? I don't know. I guess Jesus thought they did. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all didn't even give me any help on that one. <laughs> Gotta love your mother-in-law. Praise the Lord. Amen. Chris, I love your mother. But, so this, the disciples didn't even think anything about this. He said, Jesus said to him, what you do, do it quickly. And they thought he was talking about going buying stuff for the feast. Or that he was telling him to go give to the poor. See, Jesus was always dropping his change everywhere he went. Helping people. Helping people. Helping people. Whatever they needed, just go get it. You know, it, how, many of you, how many of it gripes you that when you need milk and bread that you don't have the money to go get it? I mean, that you have to say, well, let me see. Let me see if we can, we can find it somewhere. And you're digging through the couch. You're going, you know, you're like, man, I got this, uh, this uh, Spanish coin. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll buy it. I don't know. I mean, we'll try it. We'll try to get it through, you know. <laughs> we'll yeah. I mean, that's a tough situation, but Jesus didn't, he never said that. He never, and nobody ever had any hesitation with Jesus. Master, should we go buy the food? Should we go buy the bread for him? Or, what, you know, are we going to go give to the poor today? Get what you need for the feast? Never, never any hesitation. Jesus was not a poor man. Jesus didn't eat dirt. Jesus had the best. Jesus wore the best. Jesus rode on the best. Jesus had the best from when he was a little boy. He had the best. Number seven. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. Go ahead and be turning there. Now, I, I, I know that uh, some of you had questions regarding these things. You had to have. You, you had to have had questions about, well, Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head. You, you had to. And, and it might be, oh, well, okay, he did have a home now. But hey, when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, you got to know that Jesus had what it took. Because if you, he didn't have it in his earthly ministry, you can't have it. But he walked in health. He walked sin free. He was prosperous. And, and, and that's what you can have. Because he had it. We've got to believe these things. We've got to have this foundation built in our life. Ecclesiastes, well, number seven, first of all, Jesus associated with prosperous people. Birds of a feather flock together. Amen? Is that true? Is that the way people are? In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 14, there was a little city and a few men within it, and there came a great king against it and besieged it and great, built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then I said, I wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. How many would attest tonight that Jesus was a wise man? Jesus was an extremely wise man. But in Ecclesiastes here, Solomon said that nobody listens to a, a poor wise man. Nobody listens to him. Well, you say, well, you know, they did. They rejected Jesus. A great majority. They listened to him though. They heard what he said because it made them so mad they could, couldn't even see straight. And a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people followed him. The, John said that if we recorded, if the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry were all recorded, 
that the books of the world would not be able to contain them. That He did so many good things. So if He did that many things, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that saw what Jesus did and He listened to them. But see, this wise man here, He delivered the whole city. He saved everybody. But nobody cared because He was poor. Nobody listens to poor people. When a guy stands on the corner of the street downtown with a huge sign draped over him saying, Judgment is coming, does anybody care? No. We look the other way because nobody listens. He's right. There is a day coming shortly that people, we all, you know, everybody that's not a Christian is going to stand before God and they're going, He's going to say, I never knew you. And they're going to go into the lake of fire and we're going to stand before the Lord and, and he's, he's going to say, what, why did you do this? When, when, what did you do with what I gave you? And, and He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Or there's going to be a big bonfire, but either way, we're going to go into heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, so the guy on the corner with the big sign draped over him, he's, 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 he's wise, isn't he? I mean, he, he's telling the truth, is he not? The judgment is coming. Because it, it, it is. I mean, people better hurry. I mean, this is not... You, we don't have time to wait. We don't have much time, you know. It's a lot easier doing it now than in the tribulation. You can still do it then, but it might, it'll cost you your life. But nobody listens to that man. No, I mean, maybe one in a thousand. I mean, really, does anybody listen to that man? Why? Because he's poor. His message is right. He's wise. But nobody listens to him because he's got a sign draped over him and his hair's going everywhere and, you know, he, he's got a message. He knows it, but, but he's, he's not being effective because nobody listens to him. Nobody cares. People try to act like they don't even see Him because it is confrontational. When, when sinners see stuff like that, it, it confronts them. It confronts them. It hits them in the heart. And yeah, He, he probably contributes to their eventual salvation if they do ever get saved. But uh, it's, it's not a big effect because nobody listens to a poor wise man. Nobody would have listened to Jesus if He'd have walked around in, 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 with nothing, with, with shreds, and, and couldn't even provide for His own disciples. What a, what a horrible person to say, come and follow me. And, and, and then not be able to provide for them. I mean, you don't go... A workman is worthy of his hire. Amen? You don't go to work and just say, I'm here because I love you. And I know this is ministry. This is different. But, you know, <laughs> you're doing it for a reason. I mean, you've you got a family. I mean, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. I mean, that, that's the truth. And, and, and Jesus took care of His folks. They never hesitated to buy anything because Jesus was a prosperous man. Let's look at one scripture, Mark chapter 10, and then we'll be done. How many of you believe what I'm saying to you tonight? Amen. You got you got to believe it. You got to believe it. We dealt with the house issue. We dealt with that already. Um, that's the major one. That, that's the big one where, you know, Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. You know, Jesus didn't have a house. He wandered around, didn't really... He just basically was a vagabond, you know, circus guy. You know, he, didn't really, he just traveled along, you know. No, he, he had a home. He had a home. But in Mark 10, well, uh, it's here. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. Verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, 
Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up your cross and follow me. Well, this is another one. This is another one that you deal with in your mind. Well, you know, Jesus told this guy that had a lot of money. He, had, he was a rich young ruler. That's what he was, that, uh, um, to go and, and follow me and uh, to sell all he had and give to the poor. But I want you to look at this. First of all, Jesus associated with a lot of rich sinners. He, he, he had dinner with a tax collector, and the tax collector threw a great feast, and there's all kinds of tax collectors there. And he didn't ask any of them to, to give, him, give him their money or give anybody else their money. Jesus never asked. This is a, a, an isolated incident where he said this. But look, look at what he said. He said, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He said, Good Master. We, said, we read in an earlier verse where that word master, that means rabbi. You could have said rabbi. There's lots and lots of rabbis in this day and in today. You know, you go to Jerusalem, you're going to find bunches and bunches of rabbis. There's lots of them. He didn't say, Lord Jesus, Savior. He didn't say, Anointed One. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't address Jesus as who Jesus was. He addressed Jesus as good teacher in the New King James or master or rabbi. It was just like he went up to, to him and just asked like he was asking any other rabbi. But this one was a prominent one. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Is that he didn't give weight to who Jesus really was. It'd be like, uh, uh, um, it'd be like us coming up to, to Pastor Webb last night and, and, and just saying, you know, uh, boss, that was a really good. You're a really good teacher. You, you know, you, you, you taught the Word good. Man, that just doesn't do it justice. You ought to be slapped and drug out into the parking lot because he's a pastor. He walks in an office. It, it, it's not just a good teacher. It's a gift. It's the Holy Ghost. And so this rich young ruler, he just didn't understand who he was talking to. And so what? guess what Jesus gave him? He gave him the answer that a rabbi would give him. He said, he didn't say, uh, um, you know, Believe on me and you'll be saved. Look, look what he said. He said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. What, was Jesus the Son of God? But yet he, he didn't acknowledge that to this man. Why? Because he was giving him the weighted answer for the weighted question. He was asked a good teacher question, so guess what the, the guy got? A good teacher answer. He wasn't asked the Son of God, the Savior of the world question. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, what can I do that I may have eternal life? No, He said, Rabbi, good teacher, what can I do that I may have eternal life? And listen, Jesus just told him what the law said. Jesus, Jesus just picked up the Pentateuch and said, Listen, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And He answered and said unto them, Master... All these things I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, and this is where the test is. 
You see, he asked, he asked a rabbi question. Jesus gave him a rabbi answer. And he said, Master, I've done all these things. I've, I've, from my youth, I've kept your commandments. And this is where Jesus put him on the line and, said, and, and made him choose. Do, do you believe that I'm the Son of God? This, is, this was a, a veiled question right here. He said, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And now shall I have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? John and James, Peter and Andrew, they all were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. And then there was others that all had businesses and all had careers. But when Jesus said, Come and follow me, they did it, and the reason they did it is because they believed that he was the Son of God. They didn't believe that he was a rabbi or a good master or a good teacher. They believed that he was the Son of God. And that's why they knew that they were going to be taken care of because the Son of God has no lack, and the Son of God lacks from once for nothing, and that their, them and their families would have provision with Jesus if they would obey him. But this man didn't really believe that Jesus was the Son of God because if he had, he would have followed Jesus. He would have done what Jesus said. And it doesn't even say that he said, it says, he says, sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor. He doesn't say even give it all. So we don't even know what was implied there. We're not sure. But even if he had of, I mean, if the Lord Jesus had healed a bunch of people and was in here tonight and he said, Colin, uh, you know, I say I'm Dr. Colin, you know, go and sell thy practice and give to the poor and take up your cross and follow me, man, I would do it. If I really believed that he was the Son of God. I will do it. If I really believed Him. Now, if I didn't know, I, I probably wouldn't do it. That's a huge risk if you didn't know. So this is an instance where Jesus was seeing what, was really, what a man really believed. And besides, it was a marvelous opportunity because Jesus always, you know, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And no man having left fathers, mothers, brothers, houses, and lands shall not have a hundredfold in this life. Well, I don't know, but it's you'll get it if you obey God. Amen? Amen? So Jesus was not a poor man. I'm going to run through these real quick. Jesus was prosperous as a child. Jesus had a home. Jesus received the prosperity of others. Jesus had the transportation of a prosperous man. Jesus wore the clothing of a prosperous person. Jesus had financial partners and a treasurer. And Jesus associated with prosperous people. Birds of a feather flocked together. The rich people of his day would not have allowed him to be in their presence if he had not had some substance or means about him. Because they weren't like you and me. We see a guy on the street. You know, we're, you know, we got some, we got money. We got plenty to eat for ourselves. We don't, you know, we're Christian. We we take them in. These were sinners. They they don't do that. That they're in it for themselves. So he he had some stuff. Jesus did. And that is the foundation for believing that God wants you prosperous. That He was made a curse for you. That He was made poor that you might be made rich. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, we just thank You, Lord.